Andrew McGregor. And with each installation in this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts. Or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes, catch it on Stitcher Radio or other services along those lines on your smartphones or wherever you like. So Mercury Retrograde, it's a thing everybody gets worked up about. It rolls around three times a year. And the next one at the time of this recording is going to start uh, on or about August 30th. I've been working to help people refocus on this as an invitation to work magic on themselves and on their lives through working with daily prompts and some magical video transmissions and some other fun art things that I've been doing to create this program where for the duration of Mercury's retrograde, you will get to dig in and revision, reboot and reinvigorate your life. If you're interested Check it out at thehermitslamp.com slash mercury. So welcome to the Hermit's Lamp podcast. I am here this week catching up with Joanna Powell Colbert. And I've had uh, Joanna on in the past. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, uh, go back and listen to them because they're awesome. Joanna is a talented artist uh, who I first came to know through her creation, the Guy and Tarot, which is uh, still one of my favorite decks and has recently uh, returned to being in print and after, after sort of a hiatus. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, wonderful. We'll talk about it as we go through the podcast, but it's wonderful because of its diversity, because of its open-endedness, um, because of its uh, re-envisioning of uh, gender stereotypes and the court cards you know, it's it's wonderful for all sorts of reasons. So, but uh, in case people don't know who you are, Joanna, why don't you give us a quick introduction? Hmm. Well, thank you, Andrew, and and thank you for saying those things about the deck because all those things that you mentioned were things that I put into the deck very consciously, and I'm very happy that people are responding to it that way. Anyway, so I am an artist, um, I'm a writer, I'm a teacher and a retreat host, and I live on a little tiny island um, near the Canadian border in northwest Washington. Mm. Uh, what's it like to live in, the, in what I conceive of as kind of the middle of nowhere? I mean, I, I know there's a community <laughs> where you are, but I see, all these, I see all these pictures and it's like, oh, and there's this big body of water with nobody. And here's this big stretch of forest with nobody but birds. And, you know. <laughs> That's funny. Well, it's really wonderful. It it um, So what we say about this island is that it's the same size as Manhattan. To give you a sense of perspective, it's long and narrow. It's nine miles long. But we only have a population of, of around 900 or 1,000 people as compared to like 8 billion <laughs> or mm-hmm. 8 million on the island of Manhattan. But what we have are, is trees and and wildlife, but we're not that far from the mainland. We're just a short, you know, 10 minute ferry ride from the mainland. And then 
the closest big town or small city is Bellingham, Washington, which is, I think, around 100,000 people. So it, and it's a college town. So it's not it's not like I'm out way in, way in the middle of nowhere, although it feels like it. So that's one of the things that's so lovely about it is that if you have to go to town, you can go to town, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people commute every day. So they commute on the ferry and go to work every day in town. Um, but we're closer to Vancouver, BC, than we are to Seattle. So if you need a hit of the big city, it's not, not all that far away, a couple hours. Yeah. yeah. Well, living, living as I do in downtown Toronto, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, 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 we're just shy of 3 million in Toronto yeah. proper. It's more like 10, though, if you include all the suburbs and the surrounding areas where a lot of the, and like the daytime population when everybody comes into town to work and stuff. So, you know, right. I, uh, I, I, I envy that quiet because although I've, I've can do a good job of finding secret spots and, and private places and so on, mm-hmm. it's pretty tough to find somewhere where if you're listening, you can't hear a car in the distance or, you know, those kinds of things. So that's true. Yeah, that's true. Although I met I met a new bird friend the other day. You I did was, what? I was walking across the uh, park. I've been getting up at six and going right and going writing in the morning before the rest uh-huh. of the family gets up. And uh, I was walking across the park near my house, and I saw this bird fly down and the pigeons fly away. And I was like, "Oh, what's that? That's a lot bigger than a pigeon." And uh, it, was, it was a sharp shinned hawk. Which they're oh. like, uh, they're like a blue gray kind of, or with like a more modeled front and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. It was just hanging out there in the middle of the field, sitting on the ground, looking around. Yeah. And I just kind of yeah. edged closer and closer to it. I got about 10 feet away. And then it sort of flew up in my direction and then veered off. And as it flew towards me, I was like, my, what big claws you have, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> funny yeah that's great so are you taking that as an omen of some kind or just a lovely um encounter with the wild in the middle of the city oh totally i was taking it as an omen i um i i'm i'm working on a new project which i'm kind of keeping under wraps to some extent right now Mm -hmm. um but uh around the topic i've been engaged in some conversations where people have been really not directly at me because they don't, in general they don't know, but in, in a kind of more open-ended way, really unsupportive of the the premise of my product project at all. And I okay. was like, oh, you know, you know how it is when like you're like people are like that's a stupid idea, that's a da 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 whatever, yeah. right? And you, yeah. as much as much as you're like, ah, oh, try and stay away from it, it still can draw you in, right? It draws me in, right. you know, right? And um, so I was kind of walking along feeling struggling with with sort of what i expect to be strong support from some areas and you know some some real disappointment or aggression from maybe some other areas about it and uh and then to see this hawk i was like yeah i'm more of a hawk i don't need to worry about the pigeons you know (laughs) i can just get up and fly away i can you know like to sort of yeah and 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 also to see something that I don't recall having seen one before in Toronto. I've seen mm-hmm. falcons. I've seen because um, there are falcon sanctuaries not far from where I live on some of the buildings. So you see them hunting sometimes. There are red-tailed hawks around. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's the occasional turkey vulture and stuff. But I, uh-huh. I don't remember ever seeing one of these before. I'm like, oh, 
something brand new, a brand new way for me to be. I think I need to think about that. So definitely sharp shinned. Yeah. So I would, um, a metaphor for that then might be that you keep your, keep your shields up in a way, Mm -hmm. not necessarily that you have weapons out, but that you keep your shields up to protect yourself. Mm hmm. Yeah. From negative input. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's yeah. very nice. Mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me how the, how the nature fits with your art. How does nature fit with my yeah. art? Because it, it seems to me that like living where you live, mm-hmm. I, I mean, cause I know we talked about this in the previous podcast that you moved back there after mm-hmm. being away for a while. Right. And, and, and it strikes me that there, there is this sort of, connection between the sense of place, the nature itself, you know, all of these things and, and your art and your creative process. So yeah. I'd be curious to hear more about that. Well, for sure. The, um, when I, during the years that I was creating the guy in Tarot is when, when I lived here before, before we moved back to town for six years. And so, um, you know, my process at the time was to ask as as I was creating the deck was to ask myself where is the voice of nature in this card you know I would I would get very very clear about for example what the number three meant to me harmony and abundance and prosperity and flow and then I would think about the element if it was water or air or fire or earth and think and kind of put those two things together and then ask myself what is the, what is the voice of nature and i would i would go for walks you know looking for inspiration and so sometimes the idea would just come to me as i was walking and then sometimes it was because i saw something and um you know so so for example i've encountered otters on my walks on the beach and the three of water i sh- i i show three otters playing um the traditional three of cups is, you know, happiness and friendship and, and, uh, partying and toasting each other and all that sort of thing. And, and, uh, and otters can certainly be playful, although they do have this other side where they can also be very nasty, but that, that part's not in the card, Mm -hmm. but that, so that was kind of a direct inspiration and probably the most, um, moving one to me was my death card because that was a, that was a, an experience where, I was, have I already talked about this before no, with you? I no. remember. Okay. So I had a young, there were, I had a young woman friend who's the model for the explorer of earth um, in the deck. And she was kind of my mentor at the time of teaching me about the natural history of the island and teaching me how to track and how to find birds nests and all this kind of stuff. And we were wandering around one day as we used to do. And we, came to the corner and went around a tree and there was this rotting boat that had been there forever. And someone had laid a dead heron in the boat. And we both just kind of stopped in our tracks and sank to our knees. And when I saw it, because I I guess I should back up and say that heron is a very special, I don't know if you would call it spirit animal or medicine animal, but I have a very, um, deep connection with the heron. It's like an epiphany of the goddess or the divine to me whenever Mm. I see one. And it's been that way for like 20 20 years. So for me to see a a dead heron laid in a boat as if somebody had put it there, it wasn't natural. You know, it was like I recognized it. 
it was like, oh, that's my death card. Mm. I recognized it. And, um, you know, we began gathering cedar boughs and yarrow, which is what was growing right there, and placed it around, placed it in the boat around the body of the heron and sang to it. And it was just this very intense wonderful moment and the beach was across the street so there was you know the western side of the island and so it brought in all the celtic mythology to me about traveling to the western isles when you die and so after we had spent like a half an hour or more kind of having this impromptu ceremony then i started taking photographs and um and that ended up becoming my death card Mm. so um so these days, um, I do a lot more photography than I do art in terms of scenes, although the new project that I'm working on, the new, I am working on a new deck, and there, it, there's also going to be a lot of island nature scenes in that deck. So mm. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love your death card. It's one of my favorites. Thank you. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's why I... Uh, that's why I asked you if I could include it in my my book, the Tarot of You book, right? Because it's such a such a, a profound example of something that a hundred percent fits all of the symbolism of the card, and yet is so different from what we are accustomed to seeing. And uh, you know, I think that those things are are great because then it wakes us up to understand our symbols more deeply. Yeah. Thank you. And I think early on I got some feedback from some people that they didn't like it because it like it showed a dead body. I mean, it was a, a bird, not a person. Mm-hmm. But for me, I've had a lot of experience with people that I love dying over the course of my life. And so for me, I think it's really important that we don't, when we get the death card, that we don't immediately move to resurrection or rebirth or renewal before we sit with the death for a while. And so that was part of what I wanted to bring into that card is that when any kind of a death happens, whether it's a literal death or, or whether it's the death of a, a dream or a relationship or whatever it is, that you really do need to give yourself time to mourn and to just be with the death before you, before you move on to renewal. And I think that sometimes as a Western society and as tarot readers, sometimes we're too quick to reassure somebody, oh, it doesn't mean death, <laughs> you know, it mm-hmm. means renewal. And sometimes what's really important is that you just sit with death for a while. I think it's really important. You know, yeah. I, it's something that people are tremendously uncomfortable with. I have, mm-hmm. uh, I have a few clients who are um, terminally ill and, you know, they come and hang out and and we sort of read the cards, but mostly we just like talk about it because everybody else in their life, for the most part, is in some level of denial about it. Right. And right. and I'm, you know, I'm a person who's willing to just be there with them and be present and be like, oh, so yeah. you so so you don't know how long you got, but it's not that long. You know, yeah. you know way more than most people do. Probably what's going to happen. Yeah. So yeah, when I was. Um, when I first started getting into like magic and that kind of stuff, one of the books that I that I got was uh, Alistair Crowley's Seven Seven Seven, and it's just basically a book full of correspondences to the Tree of Life, right? So it's just you know num- a number uh, numbered columns for the the Sephira on the tree and and the paths, you know, and uh-huh. it's like. 
these incense belong to this path. This belongs to this path. And one of the um, paths that I came across that fascinated me was, I forget how many there were. It wasn't all of them. Like It wasn't the, the whole set of numbers, but it was the Buddhist meditations on your own dying corpse. Mm. And, you know, it was like, it was just this list of like, you know, it, it, to some extent, ways in which people could die or ways in which you could find their body. And I was like, huh, so maybe I should be meditating on myself and see myself in those ways. And so mm -hmm. I spent some time reflecting on like death and my own body and, and meditating and thinking about, huh, so what would it be like if I was drowned? What would, you know, what would that look like oh. if I came upon myself, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and those kinds of things. So I think that those, that clear confrontation with death mm -hmm. is is really profound and helpful you it know is. yeah mm -hmm. and especially in in your case with a symbol of of you know that that energy that the heron represented yeah that must have been in, very intense to find that dead you that know was, it was <laughs> yeah. yeah that's awesome so who else what else is what what other animals are there that are that, that speak to you and stand out to you, seeing as, we're, seeing as it seems like we're having a conversation about animal spirits here? <laughs> um, well, let's see. We went out. We have a new boat. I mean, it's not a new boat. It's new, it's new to us, a new-to-us boat. And not long ago, um, we went out for the day and saw a lot of seals, which was really fun to see. And... Um, one bird that has been following me around a lot almost every day, well, it hasn't been following me around literally, but I have been really noticing more than usual is the kingfishers. Mm. And I really love the kingfishers because they have this great kind of cackle and, um, and they're so funny looking because their heads are so big. And, um, I put a kingfisher in the star card because there's a, there's the mythology about the the two weeks of peace on either side of the winter solstice that that's where the halcyon days the idea of the halcyon days come from so every time i see a kingfisher it reminds me um i guess just of hope and peace and healing and it's mm. kind of like a promise of those things and it i think it's really interesting <laughs> that i've been seeing it lately when the conventions are going on here in the states you know with the um so much uh so much angst mm -hmm. and uproar. So kingfishers definitely seals, and then the owls have been hanging around my house quite mm. a bit. And hearing them um, just after dusk, around ten o'clock at night, and then I found this gorgeous feather not too long ago, which is like the first time I've ever found a huge owl feather, and I just loved it. And for for me, it's kind of like I think that um, I think that sometimes I mean I've taught classes and stuff on reading omens mm -hmm. in nature, right? And I do believe in that, but I think that the flip side of that is that sometimes we go overboard, and that sometimes you know we just need to appreciate the natural world and the wild for what it is, and that they're not, that nature is not constantly giving us messages. You know, even though I'm a creator of oracles and I teach people how to read oracles, I think that we we have to remember that sometimes it's just enough 
just to experience that bit of the wild. Mm -hmm. So that's the flip side to that for me. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that that's very important and true. You know, I think that for me, for me, it is the more striking or unusual it is, you know, the, on Saturday there was this giant, I don't know what kind of beetle it was. I haven't sort of tried to look it up yet, but this really like inch and a half long, super round and fat black beetle, like trying to get through the front door of the store. Like it was right in front of the door. And I was like, all right, what's going on with you? You know? And so I scooped him up and especially because the front of the store, there's, you know, I'm, you must have migrated along the sidewalk for a way because there's not really any nature anywhere right here. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's several doors either way before you get back to lawns and gardens and stuff. And mm-hmm. so I took him out back to the, to the green area and let him go out there. I was like, you know, but like that, the surpriseness, it's like the hawk in the middle of the field. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't tend to think of hawks as being something that even really land on the ground all that much. You right. know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that they don't, but, but even when I look at the pictures, when I went and looked it up, I was like, they're all up on things, you know, they're, they're, they're up looking down. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think when there's something really, really unusual that happens, that that's usually, I mean, just like when you dream, it's like you kind of have your everyday dreams and then every once in a while you have a big dream or a new dream where you really know that it's a message and and they have, they have a different quality than Mm -hmm. everyday dreams. Yeah. Yeah. So how 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 is your art going? How is your practice? What's your what's your creative process like these days? Well, the days that I the days that I really like are the days when I write in the morning and I make art in the afternoon. And those are like the absolute best. Um, but I don't always get to do that because there's so much administrative type stuff that I do for my business. So um, I'm trying to get as many days as possible of writing in the morning and art in the afternoon. And those are two different projects. I've been writing a a book for a couple of years now, and I thought it was done (laughs) (laughs) last year. And then I turned it over last fall. I thought I thought I had finished it last fall. And then I turned it over to my writing mentor, um, Christina Baldwin, and I, she is somebody that I adore and admire and will take any advice she gives me. And she, she did her job, you know, <laughs> she showed me all the parts that were good and all the parts that need a lot of work. So uh-huh. I've been revising it. So I'm, I'm actually completely rewriting parts of it. So that's what I'm working on in the mornings. Um, and some days I don't get to do. I, some days I don't get to do it. Now that this past three or four days, I had a friend come up who I know from writing retreats with Christina, and so we had our own little mini writers retreat, which was really lovely. So mm-hmm. we read to each other, which is really really helpful to read your words out loud to somebody else, and then they kind of take notes and then give you feedback. And then we both went to our like separate corners of the. Um, we were both outside most of the time and did writing and then came back together for meals and, and, um, shared our work with each other. So that was really, really lovely. 
Um, and then in the afternoons, I'm working on the, when I do the art, I'm working on these, uh, this new deck that mm-hmm. I can't really talk about, but I can say I'm working on a new deck. Nice. So that's, that's the perfect part. And some days I only get 15 minutes to write and I only get maybe an hour to work on art. So it kind of all depends on deadlines and other things that are demanding my attention. Mm. Do you, do you struggle with showing up for that stuff or, or if there's the time you're, you're there and you're into it? I'm totally into the art. I have no problem at all of sitting down and making art. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, writing is is harder for me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I always, it's funny because my entire life, I always, from the time I was a child through my college career, I was a writer. You know, I always got feedback for how great I was at writing. I was an English major, comp lit and all that. And I never thought I was an artist until I was like in my late thirties. Mm-hmm. I never thought I was good enough at it. And so it's really funny that now that's kind of flipped and I feel totally and completely confident as an artist and I struggle some with the writing. And so I've, I've gone through um, a number of times when I feel really, really stuck on the book and where I just want to throw it out and just, I just tear my hair out and I cry and I just, what was I thinking? Just forget the whole thing. Uh-huh. And so I, I definitely go through that with the writing and I, I, I avoid, I, it's easy for me to avoid working on it. So when my friend was here this past weekend, it was like it, she was here, uh, Thursday through early Monday. So basically she was here three and a half days. And it really wasn't until Sunday morning that I started actually writing. <laughs> it was like it was like it took that long to kind of get back in the groove of um you know, I was editing and we were talking about the projects and reading and listening to each other, but I didn't actually sit down to write until Sunday morning and then it just started flowing and I mm-hmm. wrote all day and it was great. And I wanted to pick it back up again yesterday but i had too much administrative stuff to do so i'm hoping that when you and i end today that i'm going to be able to get back to that with the energy that i had on sunday so we'll see (laughs) it's it's funny how how what what we're working on dictates stuff you know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm working on um uh, a book on the toth tarot which i Mm -hmm. which i picked up again this summer after realizing like, yeah, I mean, I, I'd been meaning to get to it, but other stuff felt more pressing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I wrote a bunch of it like two years ago and then I picked it up this summer and I've been, I'm writing through it. And for that, it's so, so easy. Like I can just sit down and like mm-hmm. I, I spent so much time with that deck. I spent so much time reading and studying it. Like I can just sit down and, and write a card description from, from front to end you know, and just that's it. And then I could write a second one and then, and then I'm starting to get a little tired maybe, but it's so mm-hmm. easy because it's just so straightforward and it flows out and that's it. And mm-hmm. then other stuff like the stuff where I'm really like pushing the edges for myself or where it's, where it's much more creative as opposed to just sort of, in some ways the, the Toth book is more a, a curation of my study and my experience, uh-huh. which makes it easy. But, uh, but this other stuff where I'm like, thinking, I'm like, Oh, how do I even put this idea into concrete words that I 
that are not like 50 paragraphs trying to explain one idea. You know, yeah. I just find myself yeah. like rewriting a sentence like 10 times in a row and stuff. And, yeah. and that work I never want to do ever. Like I'm just like, yeah. oh, this is my time. Yeah. I have to do it. Just start writing. Just write. Yeah. You know what I mean? I tell yeah. myself all of the things, right? Just get some words yeah. on the page. You can change them yeah. later. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. So, I, I know that your uh, your deck is uh, coming or is back in print now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How right. how is that process to sort of have uh, have it sort of return after being out of circulation for what was it about like a year and a half, something like that? Um, something like that. I'm trying to remember now. It, it was published by well, I came out with a with a collector's edition in 2010. And then Llewellyn published it in the summer of 2011. And then I, what year is this? 2016. <laughs> Where are we now? Right. I so I think that it's been out of print for, I think it went out of print like in 2013, something like that, maybe 2014, that Llewellyn decided that they were not going to um, go back for a second printing and, it took about a year for me to get my rights back. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I did feel really terrible, you know, when they decided not to go back because I just felt, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of felt like loser, you know, it was mm -hmm. like, it really felt, it felt horrible. It, it felt pretty horrible. As good as it felt to get the publishing contract, it felt that bad to be told that, um, they weren't going to keep it in print. So that was really hard. Um, and then it, it, I got some, it, I breathed or not, I didn't breathe, but new life was breathed into it when the fool's dog came out with the app. So that was pretty exciting. Um, it was really fun. They did a great job. I love working with them. So that was fun. And then I, you know, I talked to last year at the reader studio, I talked to uh, Chris from, McClure from Schiffer and asked if they might be interested in um, publishing it. And they were. So it happened very, very fast. You know, mm -hmm. it happened like in a month between the time I talked to him and I signed the contract. And then it was a month after that, that I turned everything into them. And then here now a year later, it's back in print. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty wonderful because what I'm finding that's pretty exciting about it, even though to me, it's kind of old hat because I was working on it like from 2000 to 2009 and then it was out there in the world and it had a very devoted following and then it kind of went to sleep. And now it's not only are the people that loved it before excited about the new edition, but it seems like it's finding a whole new audience. Um, either people that weren't interested in tarot five years ago or just hadn't seen it before for some reason. And that's very exciting to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um I think that hiatus gives it a gives it a newness, you know? I mean, even just with promoting my stuff that I put out and things like that, you know, I like to drop it off the radar for a little bit and then pick it up yeah. sometime later because Yeah. Otherwise people are just like, Oh yeah, it's Andrew's thing, da 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 you know, and even if they mean to get to it, they're just like, Yeah, yeah, well I I get to that later. But then when right. it's been away for a while and it comes back around, it's like, oh, yeah. wait, 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 what's this again? Oh, yeah, I, I want that thing, you know? Definitely. Mm -hmm. And the new the new Schiffer version of it is just gorgeous. You know, they have 
such great production values, this sturdy book and fork, you know, I mean, sturdy box, really sturdy box mm-hmm. and um, full color book. And it's, it's, it's really nice. It's really yeah. nice. Well, and I'll also yeah. say that the, um, the colors are really nice. On the printing. They're a little bit more vivid, aren't they? It's really yeah. interesting how printing works. <laughs> yeah, I was I was yeah. looking at them side by side, and because uh, I own like I don't know four copies of your previous <laughs> edition or something like that. <laughs> well, it's because well, your daughter likes it, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. We have the kids have yeah. a copy. Yeah. Um, my partner has a copy because I brought it home and. My partner was like, "No, nah, this is mine now." And I was like, "All right, fine." <laughs> you know, back when it was print, that wasn't the end of the world. I was like, "All right, we'll just order another one and I'll open that one. That's fine." Uh-huh. And um, and then I got one from somewhere else that was uh, that was somebody else's who passed away. So I still uh-huh. have their copy around as well. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they're mm. everywhere in my in my in my orbit. I don't need to go far to find one. Which is <laughs> and right now, actually, I have two copies sitting on the sitting out in the reading room because I've been. Uh, I've been mm-hmm. using uh, using it for doing um, uh, projective work with people, with somebody who's, uh, you know, so we're doing, um, we, we had them choose a card on purpose uh-huh. and then, uh, you know, kind of in the way that, that you know, Mary Greer and, and other people sort of from that school of thought mm-hmm. do, you know, be like, oh, so what's in here? What's going on? Who are right. these people? What's the story? What's what's what is happening in this card? And they start mm-hmm. talking, and then we just take that and then analyze it like it's a dream for mm. for weeks, you know, probably. And then once that accumulates, and and then that goes back and forth with uh, taking stuff into the world, taking stuff back to those places, you know, and all those kinds of things. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's really it's really fun. It's really this is the first time I've used your deck. Um, mm-hmm. for that approach and mm-hmm. uh it works really it's been working really well and you know as as happens when you intentionally open up the space for synchronicities every single bit of it becomes synchronous there is nothing in the card that doesn't have a have some relevance you know which is always fascinating yeah that's very cool yeah mm-hmm. so what else are you up to? You're doing these retreats. Yeah. <laughs> I love doing the retreats. I um, It's one of my absolute favorite things to do is to have relatively small groups of people in a really beautiful, sacred setting. Mm-hmm. And we practice circle process and share wisdom in circle. We always work with the tarot every day. We do nature connection practices and we make sacred art. And um, yeah, so I, you know, I mentioned before we got on the air that the, the sacred land where I've been holding, I've been holding these retreats for the past five years. And I've also been going there as a participant in other people's retreats. So mm-hmm. this particular, piece of land on Whidbey Island is um, a friend of mine who comes to all the retreats. She describes it as one of those places where that are very thin places on the earth that are very thin and the nature spirits really come through. Mm-hmm. We just are, are kind of coping with grief because it's going to be sold. And um, so now I'm looking for new venues, 
new retreat venues. And I'm looking everywhere from Airbnbs on my own little island to my favorite retreat center in New Mexico, in Taos, New Mexico, and a bunch of other things as well. So, you know, I know that the wheel turns and there's going to be rebirth and renewal in something wonderful. <laughs> but right now, like we were talking about, I'm like still really grieving the loss of this really beautiful place, even though I will have one more retreat there in September. And so it's going to be kind of very bittersweet for everybody, for all mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. yeah, it's difficult. I, I used to host ceremonies on this land north of the city. Uh-huh. And we did 20 events over two years. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the people like who who had the property basically just let us do whatever we want. So we like built shrines and did all this stuff and, you know, like just, and, and so by the end of that time, everything had really evolved. So not only was it a thin place to start with, but we had, you know, the energy. There. Yeah. And, and like ah, put in, yeah. put in direct phone lines to, uh, wow. to different places, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, uh, for a variety of reasons that came to the, to an end. And when we found, the next place, it was land that had been more groomed. It was land that had been, you know, had less of a sort of an untouched history and, and, you know, so on. And it was, it was, it was an interesting juxtaposition of from an amenities point of view, it was lovely because it was easy, but right. from uh but from an actually like connecting point of view, it required much more effort to, to actually get there because, you know, because of the loss of that history, as well as because of the, mm-hmm. the I think that the, na- the degree to which the land had been disturbed over time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure you will find somewhere magical and bring the magic with you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things I did when we left the old space was I, uh, I packed up all the magic that we had put there. Mm. Brought it with us through mm. through like a, a few select items and and like a, a, f- a closing ceremony, which was uh, really nice. Yeah. That's a wonderful idea. I've already been thinking that we need to do some kind of some kind of farewell ceremony when we're there in September. So it hasn't. Yeah, I'm going to think about that. Thank you. That's a really good idea. Cool. Well, I need to go open the store, so we should wrap it up here. But thanks okay. for All making right. time to hang out with me. Thanks and, for uh, having me. Oh, anytime. Anytime you want to be here, you just let me know. <laughs> it's so it's so nice to get to hang out and chat. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think that um, the, the, that magic of, of the nature and the animals and stuff, you know, I think it's, it's something that I – I have a deep respect for, and I see so strongly in your work. So it's awesome. Thank you. So once again, thank you for listening. Thank you all for your ongoing support. Uh, Please do me a favor and let me know that everything went well with this edition. I am using a new hosting service and uh, a new way of delivering it. And I'd love to hear back from a bunch of people that everything went well, or if there are any issues at all, Um, what they were and and where you were getting this file from. And secondly, 
it would be super great if you enjoyed this and you like what's going on. If you could share it somewhere, send it to a friend, you know, speak about it on Facebook or one of those kinds of things. I really enjoy this and I feel like there's a lot to offer here and everybody tells me how great it is. So if you're one of those people, do me a favor and help spread the word because that level of engagement and excitement keeps me fired up and helps me keep talk to you soon. We'll be back in about a week with an interview with Joanna Powell Colbert. Have a great time. Bye-bye.